Uh, if you don't know, we finished Daniel on Wednesday. I uh, love that book. He's a excellent example of the believer. The way that he lives his life, he lives in a hard place, but maintains faithfulness in very difficult, hard circumstances. He's brilliant. So we finished that. We're going to, on Wednesday, start the book of Ruth. If you don't know that book, it's brilliant. Here's the way I describe the book of Ruth. Here's my outline. Life stinks, but God. If you read that book, chapter one, life stinks. As hard as it can get, it gets that hard in chapter one. But chapters two, three, and four, you see the hand of God begin to work goodness back into this family's life. It's brilliant. And it has, it has really big questions like the problem of evil. What do you do about suffering? What happens when life is really bad? What should you do? Do you give up? Do you, what do you do when things are really bad? It's a story of love and redemption. It's, it's a great book. So we're going to do that on Wednesday night, just a quick four-week thing. Um, tonight, because of the Father's Day that we're going to all enjoy at the lake or river or wherever, there's no praise. And the other announcement I have to tell you is in two weeks, uh, there's church in the park. So we, as a church, participate in that. Um, if you don't know what Church in the Park is, it's this grand idea that everyone that believes in Jesus belongs to the same family. And every once in a while, you have a family reunion. It doesn't mean that you like everyone at the family reunion, <laughs> but you still go to the family reunion because it's your family, right? It's kind of like that. So as elders, we wrestle with this, no doubt, um, especially having a new building and the excitement that is here. But there's still enough of, we're a family, and on the 30th of June at 10 a.m., we will gather in the park for our reunion. So that's where we will be. So that's in two weeks. We will not have a service here. It will be everyone. We're inviting you to join with us over at Riverside Park at 10 a.m. on the 30th. All right? So we're going to do a freebie today um, because I didn't have like another, we're not in a series and we're not in a book. Here's an idea that I think is really important. And it's in the book of 1 Corinthians. It's chapter 6, verse 20. And there are two fundamentals in here that as a believer, you've got to get these. If you miss either one of these, things don't go right for you. So if you know the book of 1 Corinthians, it's called an occasional letter, which means this. It was written because of the occasion. There was stuff happening in this church at Corinth that had to be addressed. And if you know the church at Corinth, it was the most rowdy, sinful, crazy, immoral, divided church. Pretty much like any church, really, if you think about it. There's always going to be those elements in this. So the letter is written to address these things. And there's this long argument, and it culminates at the end of chapter 6, and then the, the whole process of the book actually changes to marriage and some other stuff. So this is the summation of a long argument. And here's how it goes. One verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. For you 
were bought with a price. Fundamental number one. So, because of that, glorify God in your body. Jesus, I pray for wisdom. I pray for your mind to be given to us. I pray for good seed to go into good soil and produce good fruit. And we pray this in your name. Amen. The two truths are belonging and becoming. First, belonging. This whole argument ends with you were bought with a price. You belong. Okay, Matt, that's great. But there's all kinds of different belongings. What kind of belonging am I? Right? There are what I call common belongings. So in your house, there are common belongings. Does anyone in your house own the milk? Are you like, that's my milk? You cannot put that on your cereal. No, right? Laundry detergent, right? It's common belonging. But the problem with common belongings is they can be abused. Someone can drink too much of the milk. So here's my best example of the abuse of common belongings. I was in England a number of years ago on business. And I was in this town called Stroud and we were driving around to visit some places where our equipment was. And as we're driving, I'm going around and I noticed this area that was, it was just tore up. It was rocky and craggy and messed up. And I'm like, what is this area? Everything else was really beautiful. And my driver said, oh, that's the common lands. I'm like, what does that mean? And he began to tell me about what had happened in England about 400 years previous. The king who owned all those lands at that time had told everybody, the peasants, you can use this land. This land is free. Do whatever you want on this land. So guess what people did? They did whatever they wanted. And they dug it up and they overgrazed it and they destroyed that land. It's still destroyed to this day. It's actually called the tragedy of the commons. That if it's not owned by anybody, it will be abused. Perhaps at work, you know this, if, if something is everybody's responsibility, it ends up becoming nobody's responsibility. So are we a common belonging to God? I don't think so. Then there are ordinary belongings. What's an ordinary belonging? Your socks. Does anybody in here know exactly how many pairs of socks you have? You should probably see a psychologist. All right? That's a little OCD. Those are common. We shouldn't like keep count. All right? So are we like that? Does God just kind of know? Um, there's another kind of belonging, and this maybe is getting closer to what I'm talking about. There's like when you belong to a group. But here's what I found. In order to belong to a group, there are always conditions, are there not? Let me try to give you the best example I could give. So let's say I belong to a group that's pushing LGBTQT type relationships, those kind of rights. So I'm in that group and we're doing our things and you could say that might be the most tolerant, progressive group right now in America. So I'm in that group and all of a sudden as I'm in the group, I'm on the board, I have an epiphany. And I say, hey, I get attraction and I get the struggle with that. I understand that, but I am convinced 
that sexual relationships are only to be between a husband and a wife inside the covenant of marriage for whole person bonding. And any sexual activity outside of that is wrong. What will happen to me in that very inclusive, tolerant group? I'll be out. Why? Because I'm no longer agreeing with what they're tolerant towards, okay? So is that the kind of belonging that we have, that there's a condition for us belonging inside the body of Christ? I would argue no. And so that brings me to what I think is a biblical understanding of what it means to be bought by Jesus, to belong to him. And I call it a bonded or pledged belonging. What does that mean? Let me illustrate it first, and then we'll look at some texts. So here's my illustration. Many years ago, it was my wife, myself, and I had just two girls at the time. They were very young. And I started a research project into something that I knew this decision is going to affect my family for the next 10 years. So I better be careful. So I read and I researched and I talked to experts and I finally made my decision of what kind of dog to get. (laughs) And we got a golden retriever, seen like the perfect dog. So we picked up Chloe, our golden retriever, six weeks old, and we bring her home. Man, she was nothing but trouble. So my daughters were really small and she loved to just bite them, just, just nip at them. And they did not like Chloe. They actually hated her. Get rid of her, dad. We don't want her anymore. I would take her places in my truck. And for some reason, within about a mile of being in my truck, she would puke all over the place. You're like, ah, right? And then at my house, she chewed on everything. She killed two peach trees because she completely chewed the bottom of them off. I still to this day have a piece of trim that I haven't replaced that she chewed on. So it was just like, mmm, So she's like six months old, just a royal pain. We decided to go for a hike and we're gonna go down Rainy Falls up on the north side. So we pack everything up. We get in my truck. We're driving out there. Chloe pukes, of course. Uh, So it stinks. So we finally get to Graves Creek right there where you start the hike. Um, We're getting out. Chloe gets out. She knocks over Isabella. She knocks over Carissa. They're mad now. And I'm thinking to myself, boy, this could be dangerous because on the north side, you know, there's some really big cliffs. So I'm like, okay, Charity, you grab Carissa's hand and I'm going to take Isabella and I'll put her up on my shoulders and hold her there so that they're safe. So we start this hike. And because I was dealing with Isabella, Charity and Carissa and my dog, Chloe, got ahead of us. And so they're going and I'm walking along when I hear this blood curdling scream. And I think Chloe's not Carissa off a cliff. So I go taking off running and I've got Isabella going boing, 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 boing. She's grabbing my hair like boing, 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 boing. Like ow, 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 ow. So I'm running up this hill and finally get around the corner and I see my wife and Carissa looking over a cliff. And they're like, Chloe fell down. So I come run up there. I look over. Sure enough, it was like a 60 foot cliff, but there was maybe an eight inch ledge that she had fallen down on. And now she's standing on the ledge trying to claw her way straight back up. There was a moment (laughs) where I was like, it's God's will. Let's keep going. (laughs) This is how God answers prayer. His ways are not our ways, right? (laughs) But I didn't. 
Instead, I had Charity hold on to one part of a leash and I held on to another part of a leash and I crawled over this cliff and I'm holding on for dear life until I could finally get a hold of her collar and then I just heaved her up onto the trail and then we turned around and went back. This is not gonna work today. And as I'm walking back to the truck, I thought, why did I just do that? Why did I risk my own health for this creature that's a pain? You know why? She belongs to me. She belongs to me. That to me is the kind of belonging that we are to God. We belong to him in that way. So let me read. I'm going to read a bunch of scripture today. But the first one is found in the gospel of John. And this is what Jesus says about you and me. John 10, verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, possession, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good sheep. I know my own and my own know me. And just as the father knows me, I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Then verse 27, my sheep ownership, hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish And here's the key. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. They're my possession. My father who's given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. Double covered. Jesus says, my sheep are in my hand and they're never gonna be snatched out. On top of that, My sheep are in my hands and the Father's hand and no one can snatch them out of either of our hands. It's why the half-brother of Jesus, Jude, would say this in verse 24 of his book. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless on that day, be all glory. He's gonna keep us and present us because we belong to him. It's why Paul would say in Philippians 1 verse 6, I'm confident of this very thing, that he that began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He will not leave us halfway done. He will not abandon us. He will not cast us off. See, we belong to Jesus in a bonded, eternal way. You are safe and you are secure. 
And it's not based on how you good you are or how bad you are. And I'm so glad about that because I can be like Chloe. I can bite people. I can fall off cliffs and need to be rescued. And the good news is this. Jesus says, I'm never gonna give up on you, Matt. Because this thing, this relationship, it's not based on you, Matt. It's based on me and my faithfulness and my pledge to keep you no matter what happens to you. It's based on Jesus. And that's so good. You, listen to me. You that have placed your faith in Jesus, you belong to him and he'll never let you go. It's his faithfulness. That's why Paul's argument ends with, listen, you are bought with a price. You belong to him. That's truth number one. Truth number two, so because of this fact, because you belong to him, because he's got you, because he won't give up on you, so glorify God in your body. Truth number two, become, become. These two are tied together. It's why there's this word so there. Some translations say therefore, they're tied together and they're tied together deeply because it's the way that we're built. I'll try to prove that. Who here has graduated from high school? Raise your hand. Okay. Who here has gone to one of their high school reunions? Raise your hand. Everybody needs to go to a high school reunion. It's a torture we must all endure. Spellship of suffering, you've got to go, okay? So I belong to the Grants Pass High School class of 1990. I belong to that, right? I'm there because I went through the process, I graduated, I belong. I can never be taken from me, I belong. So I went to my 20 year anniversary or my 20 year reunion. And have you been to a 20 year reunion? What does everyone want to prove at their 20 year reunion? I've become somebody. Right? So there's diets that you go on beforehand. There's hair dye people do, right? They rent a nice vehicle, a Tesla or a Lamborghini, convertible Corvette, right? I'm somebody, look at me. I drove my Volkswagen van. I said, I'm a hippie. I don't even care, man. Let's do this. There's this website, it's called Rent a Friend Just for Reunions. Yeah, where you hire this person like a hunk of a dude or a gorgeous babe, and they'll actually come and interview you so it seems like you know each other so you can go to the reunion and be like, look at me, I am somebody. It's powerful. When you belong, you want people to know I become something. So I read this really good book on the opioid crisis. I recommend it all the time to people. It's called Dreamland. And in that book, they talk about really the process from where we got to where we're at. But then there's this group of people that they live in Halasco, Mexico, and they come up to our cities and they sell black tar heroin. That's what they do. And what interested me about this was, that was interesting, but what's really interesting was they would live super simply for like six months, 10 of them in a one bedroom apartment spend no money, save all of their money. They would take that bag of money. They'd go back to their little city in Halasco. And then they'd throw this massive three-day party, spend all their money there. Now, why would someone do that? I become something. Look at me, I become something. 
Look how great I am. Look at this great party I get. Look at the money that I have. I become something. That's in every single person. When you belong, you want people to know I become something. I faced it. So uh, many of you know this from 2012 to 2016, I went to Western Seminary. I went back to school and um, I'd been there for about two years. So I felt like, hey, I belong here. This is my crew. This is fun. And I remember this class I took and I'm At that time, I was typically one of the oldest students. Most of the students were in their 20s, and most of the students, they wanted my job. Eventually, they wanted to graduate from seminary, and they wanted to get a job where they're the head pastor somewhere. So I'm in this class. There's a bunch of young guys there. Uh, We go out to eat together. We're we're eating, and then the questions start. So you're old? Like, what's your deal? What do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm a pastor of a church. Oh, how long have you been that? Uh, At that time, it was about eight or nine years. And so... After that, there's always another question. Guess what that question is? How big is your church? And I had pledged to myself, I'm not going to answer that question because it always sounds like it's bragging. Average church size is 100 people in America. So I just didn't want to answer that question. So this guy that asked, he's from Hawaii, super cool guy. And um, so I answered him like this. I said, well, you know, um, after nine years, we're still meeting in an elementary school gym. To which he said, oh, bro, I will pray for you. (laughs) And I remember there was in me this thing like, you don't have to pray for me. I am successful, right? Come on. I want to send them a picture of this, right? Why? Because I want them to know I've become something. It's powerful. When you belong, you also want to become something. It's in every single one of us. Dads, you know there's a balance in being a father between belonging and becoming. On this Father's Day, we have to remember that. That part of it is that every child needs to know, you belong to me. You are my son, you are my daughter, and there's nothing that you can ever do to take that away. It does not matter. You will always be my son, be my daughter. You are secure in that relationship. And then the other side of it is this, because you're a heavenly, because of all that's been given to you, because of the grace that's been bestowed upon you, because you won this lottery, be something, right? And you're always weighing those two as a good parent. How do I make sure both of those are true? How do I make sure both of those are balanced? Because if a child does not feel like they belong and it's safe and it's secure in a family, guess what they do? They search for belonging somewhere else. And often they find it in the wrong spot. And it's sad. But the other side of this is if there's no like, hey, come on, be something, then what can happen is kids can become very passive and and not do anything. And then they sit and they think like, I feel like a failure. I feel inadequate. I don't feel like I've done what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. And there's just as many problems with that. So as dads, we're always balancing this. Okay, you, you belong become. It's this verse right here. You were bought with the price you belong. So now glorify God in your body. Believers, it's the same thing. You must know both that you belong and you're safe and you're secure and you need to become. And certain believers, they never understand what it means, the work of Christ in their life, how faithful he is that you belong to him. And because they don't understand this truth, what happens is they're always trying to work for something that can only be given. 
when they find frustration and there's legalism and it's never enough and they're just on this roller coaster of, I'm afraid God's not pleased with me. No. Are you kidding? You belong to him. Are you kidding? You might be a prodigal son whom he welcomes back and puts a robe on and a ring on your finger and he kills the fatted calf and says, you're my son, you're my daughter, welcome home because you belong to me. Peter puts it like this. 1 Peter 3, 1 Peter 2 verse 9. He says, you're a chosen generation. I chose you to be in my family. You're a royal priesthood. Do you know your royalty? That's what the Bible says. Do you know how you became royalty in the ancient world? Three ways. Born into it, adopted into it, or married into it. Guess what the Bible says about you and me? You've been born again into my family. You've been adopted into my family. And you've been married into my family. You are thrice royal citizens of King Jesus. You belong, right? You are my peculiar possessions. You belong. You belong to King Jesus, right? But then more than that, it's not just belonging. It's also this other side of becoming, that Jesus saved you to become something. And people that miss this side, they're not legalists and they're not that side. The people that, that miss the becoming, what often the conversations I have with them is this, man, I'm just stagnant in my faith. Man, I just don't feel it anymore. I'm just, ugh. And very often, I'll just ask questions of people like that. So tell me where right now are you, are you reading the Bible? Oh, I'm not. Oh. Well, tell me the group of people that you're around, that Hebrews 10:24 group that's provoking you to love and good works. Oh, I'm not in any kind of community. Oh, tell me about your prayer life. Well, I don't pray. Well, bro, no wonder you feel stagnant, because you are. You need to be becoming as well. And the Bible lays out all these means of grace, they're called, the means by which we get transformed. Memorizing scripture, reading the Bible, community, celebration, Sabbath, fasting, just on and on and on. It's, hey, here's these things that if you allow them in your life, they begin to shape your heart and you become something that's brilliant and beautiful and incredible. And we're supposed to be using them. So let me just read you one text on that. It's a long text, but it just summarizes it. It's one I turn people to all the time when we have this talk. It's Colossians chapter three. If you know Colossians 3, the first five, four, four verses are, you belong, and now it's become. Colossians 3, 5. Put to death. Is that serious? Pretty serious. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Um, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, 
malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the, after the image of its creator. Put on, verse 12, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of God, peace of Christ, rule in your heart to which you indeed were called in one body and be thankful. Guess what that just said? Become. Becoming is a partnership. Salvation is purely the work of Jesus. He saves us. And then he invites us in through all these means to say, become something. Become something that's so brilliant, you will never ever regret what you become when you follow me. Become. So let me ask believers in here. Do you have a plan to become? Do you have a plan where you're saying, I want to be changed. I want to be somebody different. I want to be made after, literally it says there, the likeness of my creator. I want to regain the image that God gave to humans in Genesis chapter one, that sin has scarred and ruined. I want to regain that. I want to be made as an image bearer. Do you have a plan for that? Because if you don't, it won't happen. It's a partnership. It's okay. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Well, how, Matt? What are some practical ways? Community groups. Great way talking, discussing the things of Christ, talking with one another about how you're doing in your walk. Men's group, Friday morning for men. Great opportunity to come and hear God's word, meet men that have the same ideas, same thoughts, same desire to be like Jesus. Women's groups all day tomorrow. Jump into those. Mission. How do you glorify God in your body? Jesus defined it. He said this, let your light so shine that men see your good works and they glorify their father in heaven. Mission is so important. Like yesterday, I had the great chance to be with about, I don't know, 30 guys and gals at our home bridging project to tear roofing off and to cough and to sneeze and to everything that happens up there. It was awesome, man met great people, got to have great conversations. It's this mission that's so huge, begins to shape you that, guess what? It is better to give than to receive. Wow, Jesus, I'm finding that to be true. This was awesome. Are you, do you have any kind of plan? Because if you don't, it won't happen. And there's tons of ways right here. Tomorrow morning, prayer. Great way to start a week. I have talked to people that are saying, man, I'm so dry. Matt, I don't know. I'm stagnant. Can you help me? You know, I'll say to them sometime, hey, meet me Monday morning, 6.30 right here for prayer. We've been doing it for six months. I have not had one man meet me at 6.30 a.m. to pray with me when I've asked them. It's interesting. Now, oh, 
It's a means of grace. It's a way you move forward, right? Let's use these things. Let's be shaped by them. Let's be transformed by them. You will never regret it. The two big foundational things in our faith are number one, you must know you belong to him. So once you know that, glorify God in your body. Be moved forward in this faith. And for some in here, you need the exhortation to start planning and moving that direction. But for others in here today may be, Matt, I don't even know if I belong. How do you belong? Let me read for you the words of Jesus. It's Matthew 28, verse 18. We call this the Great Commission. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Oh, great. How do we do that? Here's how. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So they belong and teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. So they become. You get baptized. And then you can go forward to Mark chapter 16, verse 16. It puts it like this. Whoever believes, believes in Jesus and is baptized shall be saved. Not might, not could, shall. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. So guess what happens when the church gets started and Peter preaches the first message? Guess what he says to them? I'll read it for you as well. It's Acts chapter two, verse 37. He preaches the gospel, brilliant message. The people then say, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How do you belong? You believe and you're baptized. That's what we do. So we simply take those words of Jesus to heart. You believe and you're baptized. So during the summer, we'll have a baptismal tank out here. We don't do the big pressure thing where, hey, if there's one more or raise your hand. We don't do that. We believe it's God's spirit that draws people. And true conversion happens by God's spirit drawing. We want to give space for God's spirit to draw. So we have baptisms. So if you today are here saying, I don't know if I belong. Well, Acts chapter two, verse 38. Repent and be baptized today. Well, are those waters magic or something, Matt? Uh Uh-uh. They're just from tap water from the filtration plant over here. Well, what saves me? Jesus saves you. And when Jesus saves you, he becomes your savior. And when you get baptized, what you're saying is this, you're also my king. You're also my authority. And since you commanded me to be baptized, the first thing I'm gonna do as your saved child is I'm gonna start obeying you. So I get baptized. So that's why I believe they're tied together. Repent, believe in Jesus. He saves you. And then you say, 
now as a child, now that I belong to you, I want to become something different. So I'm obeying you as my king. So you repent and get baptized. So we're going to take communion as a group. If you feel like I want to be baptized, then we'll sing one final song. You just walk right over here and we will baptize you and we'll welcome you into the family of faith. We'll welcome you in. You'll belong now. You'll belong, right? If this is the first time you've offered faith to Jesus. If you're saying, I just need to be baptized out of obedience, praise God. You're obeying the central command of Jesus when he said, go into all the world and make disciples. You baptize. And so Jesus today. I pray that every soul in here knows that they that have placed their faith in you have become part of their, your family. They are thrice holy, royal sons and daughters of you, our high king. I pray for those in here that question and are unsure. I pray that today would be the day that your spirit opens their eyes to see the truth and reality of Jesus, and that they obey and are baptized, belonging to you for eternity. I pray as we partake in the Eucharist, in communion, I pray that you would do what only you can do, taking the seed of Scripture planting it, watering, and giving an increase in our hearts. And I pray these things in your name. Amen.